My name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, man, happy Sunday morning to you. Hey, I, I want to start out um, talking about the power of one thing. I, I'm always amazed by if you change one thing in your life or uh, really in your life, if you change one thing in your life, it has this cascading effect. It has this ripple effect, a snowball effect of you change one thing in your life and it actually impacts other things in your life. And my wife and I, like we, we've known this for a while, but uh, when we moved up here and we bought our house, this was so abundantly clear to us. Um, our house is what I, when we bought it, is what I would affectionately call, well, the color was like a, a faded rosy red mixed with a purplish plumish. Now, you may love it, and that's great, no disrespect, uh, we didn't. It's not our jam, it's not our color, it's not, it's, it's not our flavor. And so, uh, you do the thing where like, you know, your, your realtor, they, they show you, and they're like, well, here's the house, and they use this line a lot, just the, the potential, use your imagination. And the whole, like, I'm just looking at this door that is just oddly bright and faded all at the same time. I, I can't even put words to it, but I'm looking at this thing going like, I, oh, the potential, the potential, the potential, like, okay, it's gonna happen. And, and I'm telling you, so long story short, we, we purchased the house and immediately we painted a room in the house. And if you've ever painted a room in a house, you step back and you look at the room and you go, whoa, like it just changes everything, doesn't it? And so you look at that room, you go, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And, and then we started in the boys' rooms and worked our way through the home, right? Um, but we paint one, you know, you buy the new paint, you paint one wall and you stand back and you're like, man, we haven't touched the other three, but the room looks different, right? Like it just has this impact. You change one aspect of your home and it has this cascading effect and it impacts so many other things. And so we did that with the inside and then we went to the outside of the home. And I'm telling you, as soon as that front door was painted, it was like this, this is a brand new house. The potential, like they were right. The potential was amazing. And so we looked at it and we went, oh my goodness, the potential of this place is incredible. And so I, I, we're gonna talk about this one thing because I'm convinced you and I, we all have one thing that's hanging around in our lives. And if we were to address that one thing in our lives, it would have this cascading effect, this ripple effect that would impact all the other areas of our lives. And I think it's fundamentally crucial that we address this one thing and we take care of it this year. We gotta take care of it this year of 2022. This is the year that we take care of that one thing because when we move that one thing, it's gonna impact so many other areas of our lives. So let me, let me give you a couple examples of some of these things. Uh, the first one is exercising, right? You ever notice when you start exercising, you, you actually, you tend to eat a little healthier and then when you exercise and you eat healthier, what happens? You tend to lose a little bit of weight, right? Like it's, it's magical. I have no idea how it happens, right? But you make, you make one good decision and boom, it goes to another one and it has another one, right? Did you know that making your bed actually gives you clarity and focus for the rest of the day? I'm seeing people elbow and nudging. That's fantastic. That's great. One thing, if you get distracted and if you have a hard time focusing, start making your bed. You'll be amazed, right? Science, amazing. Kissing your spouse can lead to other things. Hand-holding. Okay, hand-holding. Yeah, there's more. There's a couple other ones. Um, showing up early to work is more productivity. Okay, there's another one. 
Um, getting eight hours of sleep gives you more focus and more energy. All right, let's keep going. There's more. Uh, family dinner, you can't read it, but I can. Um, family dinner is shown to increase a child's homework skills, their confidence, and their communication skills. Just having dinner together as a family. So if, if your kid's struggling with any of those things, man, carve out some time so, so we make family dinner, dinner a, a priority. And then it will have this cascading effect. And then maybe, maybe when our communication is greater and it's improved, um, maybe, maybe our marriages will be better. And maybe our, our, our children will grow up in a healthier home. And then maybe, maybe if we start dieting and exercise, we'll, we'll have more energy to keep up with one another and we won't get as tired. And we start making our beds during the day. Do, do you see where I'm going with all this stuff? It's like you take one thing and boom, it just impacts everything else. But the flip side of this is also true as well, right? You know this, I know this, we've all experienced it. There's one thing that can hang us up. See, if you change one thing, it'll make all these massive improvements. But if, if you don't change one thing or if you give in to a bad thing, even though it's one thing, it throws the whole thing off. So if you wake up in the morning and you go for your run and then you pound donut holes for the next 15 minutes, game over. But we do this though constantly, don't we? Don't we? We do this all the time because I'm gonna make a good choice here, but then I'm gonna sabotage myself here. But, but this one's gonna be okay and then I'm gonna screw it up over here. And we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so we lose progress. So what we end up doing is running ourselves rampant in circles. It's this cycle of I'm gonna move an inch in this area and then I'm gonna move an inch over here, but I'm gonna step back a foot over here, but it's okay because I made progress in those areas and everything kind of seems out of whack. And so this morning, what we're gonna focus on is literally one thing. This is not going to be a profound message. You're not gonna walk out of here with your mind blown. You're gonna walk out of here, my hope, is with tremendous clarity on what is this one thing that has to happen in your life. And if you change this one thing, it will have this ripple effect. And you'll notice it in every other aspect of your life. And I don't, I don't know what that one thing is for you, right? It, it could be your marriage, it could be your relationship uh, with your children. Maybe for some of you, it's habits. It's just habits that need to change. Some need to be dropped. And maybe some new ones need to be introduced into your life. Maybe for you, you've got debt that's hanging around your neck. And you're trying to create these other memories with your kids, but at the same time, you're just, you're lugging this ball and chain around. And there's more zeros, <laughs> it keeps growing and growing. And so it's sabotaging the things that you can do with your finances. Maybe for others, it's the business. It's gotta go to that next level. It's gotta go because you keep hitting the ceiling and you need to make the changes and you've been putting it off. Maybe for some of you, it's your education. You need to go and get the diploma or the GED like Joel was talking about. <laughs> So maybe there, there's some health issues there. There's a relationship that needs to be restored. And, and probably for all of us, quite frankly, it's our relationship with God. There are certain things that, that we just haven't released and given over to him. Certain things that we haven't invited him into in our lives to say, hey, can you clean up this mess? Because it's impacting everything else that I'm trying to do in my life. There are things, it's odd, but we all do this. I do this as well. As Christians, we, we love Jesus and we give him our lives, but we tend to hold on to a couple things, don't we? And we carry those things around. And I just always have this picture of Jesus going like, come on, <laughs> you don't need to carry that. That's really heavy. Like this one thing is gonna impact your entire life. Just give it over. This one thing, I, and I can carry it. God's, he's a big boy, he can handle it. But we're like, no, 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 God, I got this. I need to carry this around. No, no. There is one thing in our life that if we take care of this one thing, I'm convinced it will have big, big impacts on the rest of our lives. And I don't really, honestly, I don't need to tell you what your one thing is. You probably already know, don't you? Quick show of hands if you have a hint of what you think you need to do. Quick show of hands. 
most of you, is fantastic. So what we're gonna look at today, I promise we'll go full circle with this. The story we're gonna look at today is gonna help us address this one thing. So if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra, and we'll start reading in chapter one, verse one. As we go through our scriptures, there's this foundational leadership principle that I am, I'm convinced if we apply it to our lives, it changes everything. So I'll give you a little bit of a recap. Uh, Moses and the Israelites, they, they flee uh, Egypt and God speaks to Moses and says, Here, here's the terms of the relationship. Gives them the law. And he says, I need you guys to live this way. You live this way, I'll live this way, and this way, and things are gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be a wonderful relationship. And they said, let's do it. And then they don't, right? <laughs> What's the name of our series just out of curiosity? Okay, rule breakers and vow keepers. So we, we break the rules, don't we? God is the vow keeper. Same thing is true with Israel. We've watched them week after week after week. They say, yes, we're gonna live this way. And then they live that way, don't they? They do the exact opposite and it is God that is faithful all the way through. And one of the things that God told Moses to tell the Israelites is, hey, if, uh, if you guys don't live this way, bad things are gonna happen. Bad things are gonna happen. Other nations are gonna come in and they're gonna wage war against you. And if you're not careful, if you don't worship, if, if you worship other gods and you don't stay loyal to me, you're gonna get hauled off into exile. And so last week we looked at this and the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, they went and they were conquered by Babylon. Babylon were like, they were, they were the superpower of their day. So fast forward, there's another nation that comes in and conquers Babylon and it's Persia. Persia has a new king. And what Persia does is they don't just conquer things and then haul them off to their homeland. They conquer people that have already conquered other people and then they send them back to their place. They send them back to their own land because they're winning loyalty that way. And they're gonna say, hey, if you pray to your God and worship in your temples, you do that whole thing. But remember who sent you back so you can pray to your God in your temple. And as you're praying, throw one up for me. This is what they're doing right here. It's fascinating. So here we go. Ezra chapter one, verse one. It says this, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia says. The Lord of God, or the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem and may their God be with them. And in, and in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Did you catch it? God moves on Cyrus's heart. Cyrus says, go back to your place. Interesting how God can use a godless person to carry out his will. I, I just love that. I think that's beautiful. So Cyrus says, all right, if you're here, you can go back if you want. And by the way, here's some supplies and here's a free will offering. Take some money so you can go and get this thing done. Jump down to verse seven. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed them in the temple of his God. King Cyrus of Persia had them brought to Mithridath, the treasurer who counted them out to Sheshbazzar. There's some great names for your children, by the way. <laughs> the prince of Judah. 
So did you get it? They get conquered by, by Nebuchadnezzar by Babylon. And Cyrus says, okay, not only am I gonna give you resources to rebuild your temple, not only am I gonna let you go back to rebuild your temple, but everything that was stolen from you that is now in our temple, we're gonna take those things and give them back to you so you can go and restore your temple. Amazing. And this is all, this is God. This is his grace. This is his mercy. Anytime, I, I just, I'm telling you, I have lived my life and there are ups and downs like we have all had, but it's fascinating. When I fall down, I inevitably get lifted back up from God and he dusts me off and says, all right, we're gonna pick you back up, set you back on this track and keep on keeping on. Same thing is true here. Now I wanna show you a chart because when they start going back, when Israel, or I'm sorry, when Judah starts going back, there's a process to this, right? So they were captives for 70 years. Then as you read in Ezra, there's a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. He goes back and he starts rebuilding the temple. He takes a bunch of people from Judah. They go back and they start doing it. Um, you got some other books of your Bible that take place during these times right here. Ezra, who the book is named after, he goes back and reforms the people. So he says, we need a church building. And by the way, we need to do what church people do. So we need to live our lives based off of the Torah. We need the law. We need the instructions. We need the rules, the, the terms of the relationship with our God. And so Zerubbabel goes about a building project. Ezra says, I'm gonna work with the people and work on our social skills so we can understand who we are, love our neighbor, take care of one another and rebuild our society in the name of God. So Nehemiah shows up on the scene and this is fascinating because there isn't a wall around Jerusalem. They have no defenses. And what's been happening is warlords around the region are coming in to Jerusalem and they are ransacking the place. They're stealing things. And, and most importantly, um, most importantly, they're disrupting this because they're, they're working, they're trying to follow God. They're trying to make all these steps and all this progress, but they keep getting all these distractions with fights and with violence and people coming in and raiding and stealing all of their resources. So Nehemiah hears about this and he says, I gotta go back. So he talks to King Artaxerxes from Persia and he says, can I go back? By the way, he's the cupbearer to Artaxerxes. He, he, he's a slave. So he gets the courage, boldness, whatever word you wanna use for it, and asks him, can I go back? And he says, yes. And not only can you go back, but I'm gonna give you all the resources you need to do this. It's as if God is working amongst the chaos. It's beautiful, right? And so he ends up going back and uh, he, meets, he meets with the people and they start this building project. And he meets opposition. You ever tried to do one thing in your life and it's a good thing and you know if you do this one thing, you're gonna be met with opposition. There's gonna be difficulty, there's gonna be challenge, there's gonna be stress. This is it, he faces this. So that's kind of the context. I, I, I want you to read what's happening. So go flip over to Nehemiah chapter six. You're in Ezra, the next book is gonna be Nehemiah chapter six. This is where our story picks up. And I'm telling you, this, we're gonna go full circle. And the power of one thing, because by the way, their temple was built but they had felt like God had abandoned them. Because yay, we took one step forward, but it feels like we have two steps back. God, we built this temple, we returned to our homeland. I, th I think this is part of your will, but why do we keep on getting attacked? Why do bad things keep on happening to us? I, I thought we had already suffered for our 70 years. Wh where are you? What are you doing? These are all the questions that they're asking. And Nehemiah goes, okay, if, if we could just build this wall, it's not just an issue of safety, but we can keep on keeping on with our life. We can continue to progress in our relationship with God, with our faithfulness, with our obedience, because we keep getting interrupted. And if I can do one thing, 
I'm gonna build that wall. And that wall is gonna protect us and allow us to continue our way of life and devotion to our God. So here we go, Je- uh, Jeremiah. And Nehemiah chapter six, verse one. You ready? You with me? Okay, here we go. When, the word, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, these are all bad guys, right? The Arab and the rest of the enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. He says, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. Now, the next verse I'm gonna read to you, you need to highlight You need to consider tattooing it on your forehead. This is a big, big deal. This is the one lesson, the one leadership lesson that I hope will kick off the one thing that you and I have to do. This is a very, if you're terrible at memorizing the the scriptures, this is one you ought to memorize. I'm telling you, this is a big, big deal. He says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. He says, I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. That's your Bible verse you need to memorize. It doesn't sound very spiritual, but I'm telling you, it is a game changer. And I think it's very spiritual. He says, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot come down. Can we say this together? Ready? One, two, three. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Say it again. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. You know, I'm gonna ask you one more time. So here we go. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Wonderful. Here's what I know about you. You have a great project. You have a wall that you need to climb up on and build and you cannot come down until that thing is finished. I don't know what it is, but I know each and every one of you have one because I have one. We all have these things in our life that God is saying, here's your one obstacle. And if you don't take care of this one thing, it will prevent you from having a greater impact in society. It will prevent you from going to the next step in our relationship together. You and I have one thing One thing that if we take care of that one thing, it's gonna be easier to take care of all the other things. Our mission here at North County is to lead normal people, real people like you and I into a a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to transform real people into real followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we wanna do. That's the goal. Now, we definitely want people to believe in Jesus, but we don't want it to stop there. We want your belief to lead to a life that is transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We believe that is the one thing that matters in this world. We also believe there might be one thing that's keeping you from fully jumping in and being fully obedient to God. Nehemiah looks at his people and he says, this one thing that's holding us back is this darn wall. I've got to build this thing and I've got to get it done. Curious, think about it. What's your one thing that's holding you back from God? What is that thing that has to get taken care of? Regardless of anything else that happens in life, what is that one thing that's gotta get taken care of? So in your notes, in your notes, three things to consider when doing a great project, doing a great work. Number one, what is the great project I must work on? You gotta start there, you gotta name it. What's the great project I must work on? Some of you, you've got young kids like I do right now. Maybe your great project right now is sneaking in the room in the middle of the night and leaning over them and go, this is a great project. And I cannot do anything else until I get this taken care of. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage. Did you know it's really hard to raise healthy children when your marriage is, is in a rut? Did you know this? This is really difficult because kids pick up on those things. 
they see it and they start acting like mom. They start acting like dad. And then you're like, that's rude. And they're like, well, I learned it from you. And you're like, oh, your marriage, your marriage is a great project. And, and maybe you don't need to do the other thing right now because you're working on a great project. Maybe it's your habits. Maybe it's a goal that you need to accomplish. Maybe again, it's paying off the debt. It's the business, the education. Maybe it's your health because quite frankly, if you don't have your health, you can't do the other projects. So at the end of 2022, this thing has to get done. I have to take care of this great project because it is the one thing that is keeping me back from moving to the next level in my relationship with God. It is the one thing. Maybe for you, it is relationships that have to be restored or it's, it's actually opening up the Bible, taking it off the bookshelf and opening that boy, that bad boy and going, dust it off and start reading that thing. I, I, I don't know what it is, but you gotta decide what it is. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, <laughs> I don't have one thing. I have a whole lot of one things in my life. You gotta take some time and figure it out. You gotta take some time and figure it out. Maybe focusing on one of the five things that you have to do will actually make the other four a little easier. I, I, I'm convinced there's an order to this. I'm convinced there's a priority to it. The challenge is, is before you to figure out what that is. So, okay, back to the scriptures. Listen to the response that Nehemiah gives. He says this. He says, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? He's like, I'm doing a great job up here. This project is valuable. This project is super important to our people, to our relationship with God. How is going down there to talk to you gonna further this, this great project? And this feels a little tense if you apply this to your own life, but let me, let me walk us through it for a second. Number two in your notes, what are the possible distractions that will keep you from finishing the project? What are the possible distractions that will keep you from finishing the project? Because there are some, aren't there? There are some. And we gotta figure out, maybe another way of asking the question is who might keep you from finishing the great project? And this can sound rude, but I'm telling you, this is, all this is is boundaries. This is just setting up boundaries saying, I, my life is not progressing, I am stuck and I need to take care of this one thing. And coming over here to do this, to talk to you, to do the thing, to hear this, to have this experience is not gonna, keep, is not gonna help me accomplish this one thing, which I have to accomplish this one thing. So you can come with me and we can talk about what we need to talk about as I do the thing, but I have to do this one thing. It is so important because it's, it's, it's in the way of my relationship with God. Okay, keep going, keep going. Verse four, listen to this. Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. It's like Sanballat and his team, they're like, okay, we're just gonna wear this guy out. We're just gonna keep getting him requests because eventually if he comes down, we can go and kill him. And then the, the wall will stop being built. We can come in, we can steal whatever we need to steal and then go back out and carry on with our lives. So we're gonna wear him out. Verse five, then the fifth time Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which it was written. I love this, this is fantastic. Lyndon, maybe, maybe this will hit home, maybe. It is reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. So they're trying to wear him out to get him to meet him in the plane. They realize, okay, that's not gonna work. So now we're gonna distract Nehemiah from doing the work. We're gonna distract him by starting rumors and gossip. It's been reported and Geshem says it's true. So, you know... Talk about your distractions. What, what distraction is gonna keep you from finishing your project? 
listen to his reply, verse eight. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up in your head. (laughs) Don't you love that? That's not true. Back to the wall. Like, (laughs) that's it. That's all he says. And I wonder what, what would our lives be like if that was our reply anytime we were faced with distractions or gossip or rumors or, or people spreading lies. I mean, what if we just went, that's not true. And we had the self-confidence and security in ourselves and in our God to go about our business and let the rumor just, it's a rumor, who cares? Just do its thing. But instead we can get stuck in our mind and we can just play it. Well, what if this happens? And what if, if so-and-so finds out about this, then what are we gonna, I don't even know. And then the reputation and then will they do business with, Nehemiah, it's not true. You're making it up in your head. I love it. Verse nine, they were all trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. None of these things are working. So they go, okay, let's hire a trader. Verse 10, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah and Delilah, the son of Mehetabal. Great children's names. I even practiced and wrote it out phonetically and I still butcher it. Uh, Okay, he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. Now that escalated and went up another level, didn't it? This is a big deal. They're coming to kill you, verse 11. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple and save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had hired, or he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. See, he wasn't allowed to go in the temple. And Sambalat and crew says, hey, come on in. Let's just meet. Totally trying to discredit his reputation. Verse 14, we're almost done. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Scholars will say that that is an incredible feat, an incredible accomplishment to get that wall built in 52 days days. The amount of focus, intentionality, and only doing that one thing has impacted a nation. Keep going. Verse 16, when all the enemies had heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our, what? God. Number three, you will need God's help to accomplish your great project. I'm convinced that you and I cannot accomplish our great project by ourselves because if we could have, we would have by now. I'm convinced the project is so great that we need outside help. We need supernatural help. We need, we need God. We need God to do it. I wanna talk about two quick distractions, two quick, quick distractions that if we're not careful of, it's totally gonna to derail us. Um, the first one is this. It's, it's settling for good instead of great. And I, I have a little image that I wanna put up. When you and I are focusing on our one thing, our one thing, this is our, our, our North Star right here. And all, this is the project. This is the great project we're working on. And everything in between these two boundaries right here are all the tasks, they're all the meetings. It's all the things that we have to do to get right here to accomplish our great project. 
to complete our great work. So we need to be about the business of if it falls in between these two boundaries and gets us here, we need to be about this business. Here's where you and I get screwed up constantly and we self-sabotage. We have good projects, don't we? We would call them opportunities and they're wonderful. They're not that at all. The only problem is they're not here. It's not the one thing. This is tickets to a football game. This is so-and-so is having a party. This is, this, is, uh, this is social events, this is sports. These, all of these, listen, all of these things are really, really good, but they're not going to move the needle in your life and in your relationship with God because this is the thing that we've all identified that's going to do it, isn't it? This is the thing that has to get done. And if we're not careful, moms and dads, come on, come on, you know this is true. With our children, we focus on all this, don't we? Don't we? It's real quiet, come on now. You know, you, know I'm, uh, you know I'm speaking truth. We focus on all these things and we go, yeah, we'll get to this. But we don't because we're exhausted because we've done all these good things and everyone else will look at us and go, you're doing good. Because they are, they're really good things. The problem is, that's the thing. That's the thing that has to get done this year. And if it doesn't, it's gonna impact our relationship with God. It's going to impact our relationship with the people we love. And if we could take care of this one thing, then the roadblock is out of the way. The, the hurdle no longer exists. And we can move forward. We can progress in loving our God and loving people that are most dear to us. It has to get taken care of. One distraction is that we can settle for the good. We can focus on the good instead of the singular focus on the great. The other one is this, it's failure. Any great work, any great project, I just think failure is a prerequisite for accomplishment. I'm just convinced that. Maybe it's just me in my life. But I'm just convinced of it. If we're going to do a great project, we're going to fail along the way. And that's okay. That's okay. Because this project is bigger than us and we need God to step in and fill in the gaps. But the problem with failure is we can get stuck in it, can't we? We can replay the tape in our brains. Well, I screwed up that one time, so here I go again. I'm just, I'm gonna screw it up again. I, I struck out the first time I was up at bat, so here we go again. Probably gonna happen again. I'm terrible at relationships, so uh, here we go. We're gonna see what happens here. This habit, this addiction, I can't, I can't break it. It's got control over me, so uh, I don't know. And we get stuck in this routine and we get stuck in this rut. And that's gonna keep us from accomplishing the great project. Now, I wanna share a story with you as you think through what your one thing is. It's a story from one of our own people and um, his one thing that he had to work on that was holding him back was his relationships, was his relationships. And when relationships were taken care of, he was able to move on to the next project, which every single one of us, I believe in this room, have been impacted by. So sit back in your seat. I wanna show you a video of one of our own. Hi, my name is Mike Morris, and what a story I have to tell. Thinking back on my walk, my Christian walk, it's been a long, long journey. Let's start at the very beginning. I was an only child born to my parents. They were quite old when they had me, and I was raised as a Catholic. Went to Catholic Mass every Sunday with my mom and dad. Went to Catholic school all my life. And at one point in time, believe it or not, I wanted to be a priest when I was a little boy. And then it dawned on me, and I finally realized that priests couldn't get married. I like girls, so that was, whoo, that was gone. 
going back to being in the Catholic school, you know, I had religion class for all those years, 12 years, and I never really had a relationship with Jesus. And that, when I look back on it, I think, what a shame that was. I didn't live the life. I didn't walk the walk, you know? And which is, I was like the seed that was thrown on some little bit of ground, but then it died out because it didn't have any roots at all. When I was 17, my girlfriend, who I dated for about a year and a half in high school, she got pregnant. And her parents gave her the option of what to do. And I said, uh, I didn't want to leave her holding the bag with a baby. And so I wanted, I offered to marry her and she said yes. So we got married and uh, had a second son. By the time I was 19, I had two kids. It wasn't rough. It was rough. It was, you know, we lived with my parents. It was not the way to do things. We were married for about six years, and then um, I had an affair, and we ended up getting divorced, you know, and got remarried and had three, three daughters. Again, um, lasted six years, and three beautiful daughters, you know. I was a knucklehead, and I uh, had an affair again, and uh, got divorced. I tell people, you know, I lived the life of a rock and roll star without the fame or fortune. So there was about a 25-year period there that my life was not very good at all. From the outside, a lot of people looked at me, and I was a fun guy, and I, uh, and, uh, but, you know, inside, I was not a very good man at all. I, um, I hurt a lot of people. This kind of went on and on and repeated cycle and stuff like that. I ended up having six children, um, married a number of times, and then I finally met Annie, my wife now, and we'll be married 25 years in June. I am blessed. It's through her, I learned what love was all about, for one thing. And I also fell in love with Jesus. We never had children together, but together we're blessed with 11 children. I tell people it's like the Brady Bunch on steroids. We have now 27 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. I can't believe it, you know? It's just amazing. God is good all the time. And I love my family. We found Christ the King, Annie and I, after we were married. And we've been coming here since the second Sunday of existence. And it's the best church experience I've ever had. Through the years, uh, I played on the worship team over 10 years. And then uh, I took a break from it. And I uh, felt convicted to do something here at church. So I thought, well, being a greeter was kind of right up my alley. I love people and I love talking to people. I started greeting on Sunday mornings. And I found that I loved it. Right now, um, I'm older and I collect Social Security, so semi-retired, Annie won't tell you that I am. Uh, I, ended up, I work two jobs now, one at Woods Bakery and, um, and then one here at church, and I just recently accepted a position here. As a life ministry assistant in service support, I'm really loving it a lot, you know? It's really worthwhile, you know? And I, I'll say that ever since the beginning, uh, since I came on board, I, uh, I've grown so much just in this past couple months. And uh, it's just such a loving experience for me. Being able to greet the flock as they come in, it's really important. I think it sets up the service and welcomes people into our church. And it's a good starting point for a Sunday morning. So I think the greeters is the important thing is getting to know people. We want them to get to know the people that are coming through the, the doors and find out their names. And I challenged them every week to find, you know, introduce you to somebody new that you don't know and find out what their name is so you remember it. And I think that makes people not just a guest or not just an attendee, but they're part of our church family. And that's so important. I love Christ the King. I love the people here.
And I just want more and more people to hear the word and worship with us. I just, I've grown so much as a Christian man, you know, and my walk has been, um, I think, better with him every single day, you know, and that's my, my desire. Yeah. What's your one thing that will then lead you to the next thing? I always, I always joke with Mike and just say, hey man, the sermon starts in the, par- in the parking lot. I mean, when, you, when people come in and you say hi and you shake hands and you have a smile on your face, you're, you're, you're expressing joy. And, and just a genuine and just a real authentic, I, I care for you and welcome. We, we are legitimately so glad that you're here with us this morning because we believe that God wants to transform each and every one of our lives. And he's in the process of doing it. Could you imagine if Mike's at the door and we walk in and he's like, eh. <laughs> You're like, oh. It's... But he had something in his life he had to take care of, didn't he? Yeah. We have something in our lives that we have to take care of. And when he took care of that, and you fast forward, and Mike is now working with other greeters, and there's a, there's a whole team here, and we're welcoming people into this place so people can experience the love of Jesus and worship him. That is a great thing. That is a great project. What is your great project? And my prayer is that we would do two things when we leave this place. Number one, we would tell somebody else, we would share with them what our great project is. And then number two, we would write it on a sticky note and slap that bad boy on the bathroom mirror so that we see that every single day. Father, would you help us? We need other people around us to encourage us. We we need your Holy Spirit to encourage us as well. Great projects, great work can be exhausting. And so for people online and people in this room right now, God, our, our, our family and friends in the, in the other building, I wanna lift them up, Lord. And if anyone is tired and they have fallen and they have failed or they are distracted by something that is good, but it is not the great project that you have for them. Father, would you lift us up? Would you encourage us? Would you give us the sense that with you, anything is in fact possible and our lives can in fact change? Father, for the people that are unsure of what great project to start with, Father, would you give them a sense of clarity as as they leave this place? And Lord, my prayer is that weeks, months, by the end of 2022, we would look back in the rearview mirror of our lives and we would be absolutely blown away at what you have done in our lives simply because we decided today's the day that I will start the great project. Help us, Father. We pray this in Christ's name. And the church said, Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close by singing one last song.